I want to talk to you today about something that uh, may be agreeable to you and may not be agreeable to you called leftovers. Eat leftovers in your house, Mr. Didi? Yes. Sometimes leftovers better the second time than they are the first because all of that seasoning has a chance to really mix in the food better. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And I know that Sister um, Beatrice doesn't throw anything away. She uses everything. Amen. Uh, food is expensive. We can't afford to throw it away. Yet I know people that would never eat leftovers. Their meal has to be fixed, new and fresh, every day, every meal. What a waste. And what a horrible pressure is placed on the person that is responsible for meal preparation in that home. That's sad. That's sad. Got to fix a new meal at breakfast, a new meal at noon, and a new meal at night. My, oh my, oh my, what a lot of work. But leftovers are nice, and we have lots of leftovers at our house. And if we can't eat them right away, freezer, here they come. And then after a while, we get them out of the freezer, and my, my wife loves that because meal preparation is so wonderfully quick and easy. Yes, 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 amen. So we like leftovers. However, there are those that don't like leftovers and they won't eat them for anything in the world. Perhaps that philosophy comes from years and years ago before the days of, of adequate refrigeration to keep things fresh and good and keep them without spoiling. I've often wondered as I've read stories of the pioneers and all and wondered how in the world did they ever make it without a refrigerator? Oh, my Lord. And what they did. Well, it happens that I know someone that does not like leftovers. Doesn't like them. Doesn't like them. And I am greatly inclined to agree that he is entirely within his rights to reject leftovers. Who could this be that would receive my total approval for not liking leftovers, for rejecting leftovers? Well, it just happens to be our Creator our God and Savior. I want to consider this morning some of the leftovers that God doesn't want. All right? And I'm going to read a lot of scriptures today. I know that Sister Gina is going to put them on the board. You may want to just uh, read in your Bible also, maybe make a little check mark beside some of these passages of scriptures to review them at a later time. Now, one of the things that God does not like, a leftover that he does not like, is your leftover time. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. And what things? All the things that he has mentioned in the previous verses to verse 33. Your food, your raiment, and all those things. Okay? But if you seek God first, then he will add to you those things that you have need of. And we all have need of those things. We must always remember that the scriptures teach us that we must seek first the kingdom of God. We do not seek him with some leftover time, a few minutes of your day. All right. We are now going to Psalm 63, verses 1 through 2. Oh God, thou art my God. And how I like that personal pronoun. My God. All right? My God. Uh, early will I seek thee. Early. Say early with me. Early. My soul thirsts for thee. Say thirsts. I hope that the thirst of, for God in your soul is such that it will cause you to rise early to seek him. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Let me tell you, we may live in a land of abundance of material things, but in this land it is a, it is a place of spiritual dearth where we do not find in every place what our soul needs to feed on and to drink of to satisfy the longing of our soul, to see thy power 
and glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. The writer of this psalm makes reference to the sanctuary of God, and there he can find God, and there he can feel God, and there he can participate of the good things of God. But he wants to participate of the good things of God when he's not able to be in God's sanctuary. Amen? Now, verse, uh, uh, chapter 78 of Psalm, verses 34 through 7, uh, 37, brings us a rather um, interesting uh, insight into God and, and, and the people's relationship to him. And he says, when he slew them, they saw him. In other words, when God punished the people, they, they, they sought for him. They wanted him. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I've been chastised. So, God, I want you now. Okay? And, and, and so, uh, then it goes on to say, and they returned and inquired early of God because of their need and only because of their need and not because of their love for God and not because of their appreciation for God. Do we understand the difference? I hope we do. Amen. And they remember that God was their rock and the high God, their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth. And they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Boy, that, that's kind of a powerful scripture, isn't it? And it depicts what a lot of people are in our world today. If they're suffering, oh, God, we need you. Yeah. I don't know if you picked up one or not. Not even Nancy Pelosi said, oh, we're in this horrible crisis. We've got to pray. Do you think she knows how to pray? I have my doubts. Excuse me for the political statement this morning. But... Uh, uh, you know, reality uh, is honest, all right? Uh, you know, they, they want to take prayer out of schools and take prayer out of so many places in government or whatever, but where there's a great need, oh, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. But, you know, we've got to be in an attitude of prayer constantly and be in constant contact with God, and we don't seek Him only at times of great need. <clears throat> Proverbs 1, 28 through 31. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. That is powerful. All right? You don't seek God. You don't want God. You resist God. You reprove His counsel and say that it doesn't apply to you. Eventually, you are going to reap the reward of your own decisions. All right? Okay. Go to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. I love them that love me. Boy, that, 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 that could almost be a human level statement, couldn't it? Huh? I was talking with a man yesterday whose wife left him. And uh, she has been giving him absolute fits. She doesn't, she ceased to love him sometime in the past. And now evidently hate has taken the place of love. And she can only hate and criticize and condemn and harass. He said, I finally just said, enough is enough. And I went down to that last little line, you know, in the phone numbers, you know what it says down there? Block. That I blocked her. She is not going to call me and harass me anymore. All right? And, you know, sometimes that is how God is with us. If we are not obedient, if we reject His counsel, 
if we resist what he wants to do in our lives, you know, God may just say, telephone number blocks. You can pray that you turn blue and you're not going to reach God until you have come to him with a sincere repentance that will be accepted by God. All right? God says, I love them that love me. And that's pretty well a human level feeling, isn't it? All right? It's difficult for us to love somebody that doesn't love us. Only the great love of God in us can really cause us to love the unlovely and love those that even hate us. But God says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. And again, I have underlined and placed emphasis on that word early. They, those that seek me early shall find me. Proverbs 8, 17. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. In the night. All right. The psalmist, whichever one it was that wrote this psalm, not necessarily David. He says, in the night I desired thee. He awoke from his sleep. And in his heart there was a desire for God. A need of God. And I'm sure that if any of you have served God for any period of time at all, you know what it is to wake in the night and feel that great need of God. May the either while continue to lie on your bed or perhaps rising from your place of rest. You go to a place where you can seek God and endeavor to find him to be that balm that will heal your soul. Amen? Amen. Yea, with my spirit within me, will I seek thee early. There's that word again. For when thy judgments are in the earth, then the, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Amen. Isaiah 26, 9. Our last verse in this regard is from the book of Hosea chapter 5 and 15. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. That's the wrong time to be seeking God. Amen? All of a sudden, you've got a need, and oh my, I guess I'm going to have to save some money. It's too late. Too late. And I think we've got to put into the bank of heaven a great savings account of prayers and seeking God and worship and praise and adoration. Hallelujah. It's in the bank. It's there. And God knows that it's there. And in the time of our need, we are able to make withdrawals on that that we have deposited at an earlier time. Amen? Praise God. What is our philosophy regarding seeking God? If we have some time left after doing all we think we have to do, then we will separate a little time to seek God. And that's what a lot of people do. God, this has been such a busy day. Oh God, this has been such a hard day. And God, here I am beside my bed. Lord, just take care of me tonight. Good night, Lord. I'm off to sleep. And so many people's prayer is now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I rise, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Okay? And that's about the extent of it. I memorized, wrote prayer. Not said with sincerity and honesty. And so maybe that is the way that some people seek God. If we are... We seek him if we're not too tired. Or a sickness and disaster type. Then we will seek the Lord. Oh yeah. When the floodwaters are descending. And when the winds are blowing. And when the earth is shaking. Oh yes we will seek God. Is seeking God only something. That we we do. If we have time left in our busy lives. God understands your life. He really does. But I am not so sure that he is all forgiving of you just 
taking a little time out of your busy schedule to say, Hello, Lord. <laughs> Are you still there, Lord? <laughs> and uh, some people don't understand why others are just so greatly blessed of the Lord. Well, it is because that they have put God first in their lives. They have sought him early. You can translate that however you want to. You can translate that as early in your day, early in your week, and early in your life. What a beautiful thing it is to know that you have served God for all of your life. Amen. Now it could be that you have recently been saved from the world of sin and degradation and those things that God despises. Well, but what is left of your life, you should give it all to God. Amen. Amen. And seek Him first. Amen. God does not accept your leftover money. Oh my. I could have gone all day and not talk about that. Huh? <laughs> but you know, that's how it is with some people. If I have something left, I'll give. If not, well, Lord. <laughs> I guess you're just going to have to get your finance some other way because. And then those people don't understand why they are not blessed. What about our financial gain? Do we give only if something is left over? After we have paid our bills and purchased what we needed or wanted? Uh, we do understand the difference between need and want, don't we? Huh? <laughs> Sometimes children have a way of saying, I need that, Daddy. Well, I don't really think so. <laughs> you may want it, but it is not a need. But as God's children, we sometimes look at different things and we say, I want that. But God says, you don't need that. Now, perhaps God will give that want to you if you have placed him first uh, and have been faithful in your finances to him. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So what do the scriptures teach us with regard to our money? My, that, that's such a difficult subject. But you know what? It's not difficult for me. You know why? Yeah. Because this church doesn't pay me a salary. I'm not indebted to you. You get mad at me, well... That's your problem, not mine. But I'm going to tell you what the Word says. Amen? Amen. And when I was in Brazil, that's one of the advantages I had over the national pastors, and that uh, I did not receive my sustenance from the church there. Well, man, I could just preach and just lay it out just like it is. With kindness and with love, of course. But, you know, I did not have to withhold truth from them because they might reject it and say, well, that's the way it's going to be. I'm just not going to give you my tithes anymore. Well, their tithes would build the church for them. It would establish the church for them. And they gave and were able to build a permanent place of worship for them to have. All right? <clears throat> I was very interested in seeing how many times, and I just put down three here. I, I mean, it's just... All through the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This word is used over and over and over and over again. What is the word? The word is first fruits. All right? First fruits. You shear your sheep, you take the wool first to the temple of God and present that to the temple for the needs of God's house and God's servant there. You harvest your wheat. Many times in the scriptures it's called corn, but it's really wheat. Uh, you take of the first part of that. I've got a hundred sacks, so I guess that I need to take ten sacks down to God's house, all right? Yeah. And uh, so it was. And at the, and the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast, Exodus 23, 16, in case you didn't catch that, Sister Gina. Uh, 
which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. All right? He admonishes the people to take of their first fruits to the house of God. <clears throat> Exodus 34, 22. And thou shalt observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Hallelujah. And then in Deuteronomy 18, 4, the first fruit also of thy corn, of thy wine, and thine oil, the first of the fleece of thy sheep shalt thou give to him, talking to the, about the high priest, all right? And so this was God's ordinance to his people, and this was given in the very beginning of Israel's existence. They had just gotten out of Egypt. They were just now beginning a journey with God, a journey to a promised land, and God wanted to establish in their hearts uh, the essentiality of putting God first in their lives, amen? And when God is first in our lives, he will be first in our giving. He will be first in our expenditures. Yes. If you were to ever look at one of our <clears throat> prepared family budgets, I hope you do that. Yes. You prepare a budget. Yeah. If you don't, you should. Yeah. In one column, you put how much you earn. In the other column, you're being given to list all the things that you need to spend money for. What's number one on the list? What's number two on the list? Thank you. Thank you. That is beautiful. And God reads what you have written on your little family budget. And then you can go on to other things. Your house payment or your rent. <clears throat> your light bill, your water bill, your cell phone bill. And wow, <clears throat> it really gets pretty extensive sometimes, doesn't it? There are so many expenses that we have in our modern world. And we can't budget every last cent because we don't know when the water company is going to decide to raise the water bill and the light company is going to increase their light charge, all right? And so we always need to leave something above and beyond for what we call the rainy day, all right? <clears throat> but at the top of our list should be our tithes and our offering. That should be our very first, uh, what should I say, uh, concern is about giving to God and His work. <clears throat> now, acting according to these commandments of the Lord demonstrates our faith in God to supply our needs. All right? If you don't give to God first, you have not demonstrated any amount of faith whatsoever. Right. But when you give to God, you demonstrate faith. And so I return to the title of this second part of my study this morning, God does not accept leftover money. <clears throat> he wants you to give first. <clears throat> In Psalm 23 and 1, David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, that word want is a little bit uh, complicated for us in the English language. But in the Portuguese Bible, as you know, I'm very familiar with, it says, I will not lack anything. I will have enough to eat. I will have enough to clothe my body. I will have the basic needs of my life met because the Lord is my shepherd. Now, for the Lord to be your shepherd, you've got to place yourself in the shepherd's care. Amen. And when he says, come, you go. When he says, go, you go. All right? You are at his command. Amen. Amen. And as I was praying early this morning, the word master came to me and I said Lord I thank you that you are my master and if in some way I have not allowed you to be my master please help me to understand where I am failing in this area because I want you to be the absolute master of my life okay praise God praise God now, when David was talking, or uh, I believe this is the Psalm of David, Psalm 23, 
the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He goes on in this psalm to talk about water, food, healing, peace, and etc. All right? All of those things are there. Even eternity is there. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now the Lord is not your shepherd just because he moves into your life and takes over. He becomes your shepherd if you surrender yourself to him. Amen? If you surrender yourself to him. We go now to the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. But my God, and there's that personal pronoun again that I love so much. But my God shall supply all your need. Yes. We tend to uh, think of this verse as referring only to finances. But when Paul wrote all your need, I am confident that Paul was aware of the needs of the people of his day. And he promised them that if they would be faithful to God, because the first part of that chapter deals with their giving. Read it. Philippians 4. All right. They gave to the need of the Apostle Paul. After receiving the sacrificial offering from the church in Philippi, Paul promises that God will supply absolutely all their needs. They had given first. They had given even sacrificially to help support the ministry of the Apostle Paul. When pastor stands here and encourages you to give to the work of missionaries in foreign places, uh, he is talking to you about giving to those uh, who have given up family and homes and a good life in the USA uh, to be able to be missionaries in some foreign place. I was thinking this morning as I run hot water out of the tap in my house, we lived for all the time in Brazil, didn't we? All 42 years in Brazil, we never had hot water in our faucets. Never. It was always cold water. Now we did have a shower. That was an electric shower head. And if it wasn't too cold, it might get the water warm. If it was one of those mornings where frost was on the ground outside, that little old heater was not going to get your water very warm. And uh, believe me, after you crawled out of a shower like that, you were awake! <laughs> really awake! And I even went to some places and some homes where they couldn't afford to buy an electric water heater or they couldn't afford to pay the light bill to operate one. And so showers were cold. And sometimes showers were not, you know, these sophisticated things that brings it out in nice little streams. You know, it was just, just a pipe hanging out of the wall. It was just this gusher of cold water. You turn it on, get wet, turn it off. Soap yourself down and then try and rinse as quick as you can. I think some of you are having visuals of what I'm describing, all right? Visuals. And then I traveled up into northeastern, northern Brazil, certain occasion. They had a little, little bathhouse out in the middle of the backyard. And... Uh, <clears throat> You had to go to the well, and you took out two or three buckets of water, and you set those on a bench in the bathhouse, and then you had a gourd, and with that gourd you poured water over your head and to run over your body, and did a little shampoo on your hair, and a little soaping down on your body, and then it's gourd full after gourd full after gourd full of water, trying to get all of this soap washed off, all right? That's some of the things that we did for the cause of God's work. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. But my God shall supply all your needs. All your needs. 
they first gave and then received the promise of unlimited, the unlimited supply of their needs. Don't think for one moment that, oh, take that song out of the songbook. Every promise in the book is mine. Not true. Not true. Really isn't. Not true. Every promise of goodness to me is mine. If, if I am obedient to the Lord, if I serve Him with my whole heart, then, yes, then, the promises are mine. But there's always a condition that is connected with the promises of God. All right? And we're going to read about one of those conditions right now out of the book of Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room to enough to receive it. Now I want you to pay attention, careful attention to this verse today. You bring your tithes into the storehouse. All right? God's house. All right? And the promise is that there may be meat in mine house. Let me tell you very, very clearly this morning. And I do not hesitate one moment to say this to you. There are people who come into the house of God... They are not tithe-paying people. They sit in the same service that you sit in, but they walk out of that service without a blessing, without the touch of God in their lives, without the healing that they want in their bodies, without having their needs supplied. Why? Because they didn't tithe, and consequently, there was no meat in the house of God for them. Do you understand that? That's powerful. And we need to hide that word in our hearts and understand that God really wants to meet our needs. Bring all types of meat in mine house and prove me now herewith. Prove him, saith the Lord of hope. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, somebody will have to receive it. All right? Now we're going to go to the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. I had to read the scripture about three times before I finally understood it. I understand it. And I'm going to explain it to you today. All right. This is a powerful scripture. All right. Now the king is saying, <clears throat> what well, he has said before this, that he provided all of the gold, the silver, the precious stones, the wood, the pet, the stones, and all of that for the building of the house of God. And he said, because I have put God's house first, because I have supplied the needs of God's house, God has blessed me with gold and silver. He has blessed me with riches. And you know what I'm going to do with that? I'm going to give that to the house of God. Is that what you understand on that scripture, Brother Camarena? (laughs) It takes a little thinking. But that's what he's saying. So I gave, I gave my tithes. God blessed me. I gave my offerings. God blessed me. Now anything else that comes in his mind, that's not how this king thought. He said, I gave, I prepared. I did all that I could do to prepare the things for the building of the house of God. And because of that, God blessed me. And I have gold and silver. I'm a well-off man. But I'm going to take this that I could consider as being mine. And I'm going to give it to the house of the Lord. Oh, I tell you what, as I sat studying this yesterday, I, I was just overwhelmed 
with the truth that there is in this scripture. All right? Oh, my Lord. Number three, he does not accept our leftover life. What about our physical life? What about the days, the weeks, the months, the years that God has given us? Is that all ours and we just use it however we so desire? Well, that's how most people think. And I can assure you this morning that God does not accept leftovers of your life. I've actually heard people say, well, I'm just going to live however I want to live. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to enjoy the pleasure of the world. And then when I get old, I'm going to give my life to God and get ready to meet Him. So sorry. The problem, number one, is that you don't know when the end of your life is going to come. You have no idea. Any one of us could walk out that door this morning and drop dead of a heart attack out there on the sidewalk. Okay? Amen. Well, I'm not old enough. Let me tell you one thing. Age is no respecter of death. Or should I say that death is no respecter of age. Maybe that's a better way to say it. All right? And <clears throat> man has called me to pray for his daughter who is backslidden, unfortunately. And uh, she is about 37 years of age. She will probably pass away by May of next year from cancer. <clears throat> she has been given a few months to make things right with God. And I am praying for her that she will come to a realization that her life does not have to have been lived in vain. That she can make her peace with God. Yeah. Leftovers. Just a few leftover years. Just the years of a weakened body, of a weakened mind. And so on. Is that all that God wants? Is that all that God demands of us? Now, I've already said it could be that you have come to God late in life and some of your life or maybe a lot of it has already passed, whatever. But whatever is left, you need to give that to God. God wants what is left of your life and not the leftovers of your life. All right? However, if you have known God and if you have been exposed to the gospel and know what it means to give your life to God and then decide that you will live however you want and then at the very last moment give what little is left of your life to God and be saved, be assured that God will never be pleased with such an offering. Never. Never. Excuse me for laughing, but I just had a little thought run through my brain. <clears throat> I was pastor in the church, and it was here in the States. And elderly couple in the church wanted me to help them do some remodeling on their house to make it a little bit more comfortable and cozy. And so I helped them put in some new windows, and I put on new siding, and my, it just kind of went on and went on and went on and but we finally got a lot done for them well there was kind of a fever took hold in the church and it just seemed like everybody was going to remodel their house they're going to put in new carpet and they're going to put in new this and they're going to put in new that and all of a sudden here they come dragging all of this old stuff to the church i want to tell you what that really gets up my German dander. And I finally said to one lady one day, I said, you know what, I'm sorry, but that old stuff that you want to donate to the church, just put it back in your car and take it home and give it to somebody else. And I later went on to preach a message about God asking his people for their gold and their silver and their precious stones and their best cloth and all of that to build the house of God. 
you do not build the house of God and neither do you build your spiritual life on old cast-offs that you no longer have any need for. What preacher? You're kind of tough. Yes, I'm tough. But that's exactly how I see it in Scripture. And as a consequence of seeing that as Scripture, that has become the the, 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 the way that I operate as a child of God. Amen. Give God the best. Yeah. Amen. Give God your best. Amen. I thank God, Beatrice, that I was exposed to God and repented at eight years of age. I thank God that I was baptized in Jesus' name at the age of yes, 12, uh, 10, that I received the Holy Ghost at 11, that I got a call to the ministry at 12, and that I have given all of the rest of these years to God, to His service, to pastoral work, to missionary work, and I continue to give, theoretically, yes, retired, but not in practicality, I'm not retired. Spent several hours this week doing the work of God, amen. Sister Linda, you want to preach a little while? And when she talks to you, she talks to you from experience and from what she has lived all of the years of her life. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I give you just a few little examples of some of the things that we left behind when we went to Brazil as missionaries. We knew from day one that it would not be an American-style life. We knew that we would not have comfort there. Only in the, maybe the, I guess maybe the last six or seven years out of 42 did we have any air conditioning to in our home. Lay in bed and just have trickles of sweat running down your body and tickling you till you couldn't sleep. It was not comfortable. But God called us to that. And even though it is uncomfortable, we will do it. Because that is the will of God for me. And it behooves every one of us. It is important for every one of us. As my wife has said, to seek God and to determine what is God's will for us to do. Very quickly. What about your heart? God does not accept only a portion of your heart. All right? Do you give God only what is left of your love? 
only what is left of your affection and your attention. It has been so marked in our lives as we have seen young people in church and they're fervent for God and they're living for God and they're praying, but all of a sudden they decide to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend and wow. All of a sudden the affection is placed on that girlfriend or on that boyfriend and and God is kind of forgotten in the midst of all of that love and affection. That is so very sad. All right? Listen carefully what the scriptures have to say regarding your heart. All right? Second Chronicles 15, 15, And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all of their heart and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them. Oh, he was found by them because they gave him their whole heart and they desired him more than anything else. I hope you're hearing the word of God ring in your soul today. And he was found of them and the Lord gave them rest round about. In other words, they had peace in their lives because they had placed their whole heart in God's care. Second Chronicles 19.9 For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of, though, on behalf of them. Huh? What does it say? Huh? 19.9? What mistake did I make here? All right, I'll read it. Before the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Talking about their worship of idols and all that they had done. And because Israel... Said that God said that because Israel had, had not given themselves to seek after God with their whole heart, that they would have wars. Some people don't understand the interior, inner wars that they have in their soul. It's a constant battle, a constant struggle in their soul. Why? Let me tell you. Because they did never really sell out to God. They did not give their whole heart to God. As long as you have two powers within you trying to rule, you're never going to have peace and rest. And so I have written many Christians do not understand all the conflict, internal war that they have. It is simply because they have never given their whole heart to God. And so there is a constant battle for dominance going on in their hearts. Conflict, day and night, never ceases. I think the verse is 16, nine. Is it 16, nine? All right. Thank you. Boy, if you knew how, many, how much scripture I read, how much scripture I read to put one Bible and say together, you would be totally amazed. It is. Passages and more passages, all right? To bring to you the, the cream of what God wants to say to his church, all right? Conflict, day and night. Some people live in this, this constant state of agitation. Conflict in their soul. But once you sell out to God, once you give it all to God, and once the devil knows that you are totally committed to God, he will basically leave you in peace. He knows there is no longer any hope of him being able to run you off in the world somewhere. All right? Praise God. You read the right material. You listen to the right music. You, you do things right. You do what pleases God. You do what is honoring to God. And when the devil sees all of that, it's like, leave him alone. All right? Amen. Praise God. Last scripture. Psalm 
Blessed, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with their half heart. Thank you. Just want to see if you're paying attention or not. All right? Whole heart, whole heart, whole heart. Praise God. You know, I really thought when I put this Bible study together that I'd be through in about 20 minutes. Dream on, preacher. <laughs> Sorry, Brother Cameron. But I just, uh, I feel such a, a great urgency sometimes to transmit these things to the church that God has given me and placed in my heart. God wants our all. He wants it all. He wants what is first to be first in our lives. Stand together. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. I've been a little tough this morning. Maybe a little more pointed than I should have been. I don't know. But I hope that you are still able to say, Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. It has spoken to my heart today. Amen. Lord Jesus, we give you praise one more time for your word and how it has spoken to our hearts in an anointed fashion. May our hearts always be open and receptive to receive what you have, what you give us through your ministers. Bless us today, Lord, I pray. As this service continues, may we worship you with our whole heart. Give you our all, Lord. Everything. May we be faithful to you. May we never think that you are satisfied with leftovers. You want the first fruits. Hallelujah. And I will give you, Lord, the first fruits of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. And I'm glad that all of the saints of the Most High God have finally arrived. <laughs> I am so sarcastic sometimes. <laughs> God bless all of you. Let's greet each other. Hallelujah. Greet each other in the name of the Lord.